From 1981 to 2021, the world has confronted a terrible scourge that has impacted countless individuals with fear, pain, and death. This is the story of the earliest successful treatment for AIDS. If the mainstream scientific community had paid attention, tens of thousands of lives may have been saved. These are the voices revealing the pain, profit, and politics of AIDS. is now the leading cause of death among young people in this country. No one with AIDS has been cured. Diagnosis, AIDS, always fatal. A virus that may be on the move into the general population. We're all scared to death. We'd like to know what the hell we're supposed to do here. You know, what should we do? Should we stay home and lock ourselves back in the closet? Or, you know, what should we do? You can understand the fear when you realize that almost everyone here has lost someone close to him. I lost my best friend, did you? Four years ago. He died of pneumocystis pneumonia. Mm -hmm. And I watched him die. I watched him right, you know, just right in front of me, just disintegrate. I saw no less than eight people completely reverse AIDS. I had never seen this in the medical community in the hospital. We had good results, very good results. In fact, there were some patients that they were absolutely convert from positive to negative. When something this life-saving happens, you'd think that all of the media, especially the pharmaceutical industry, would be very interested to hear what we were doing to help people heal. And these people, according to the records, had seroconverted, had no traces of AIDS or no traces of the HIV virus in their system, which was remarkable. All the uh, medical care that we gave, uh, including supplements, ozone therapy, chiropractic, all the care that was given uh, was given for free, pro bono. They did ozone, they did vitamin C drips. We cleansed their system as much as possible. We did stress reduction. And there are a few people that serum converted. They were completely in remission, and then we continued testing them, and they were completely cured. So in my professional opinion, as a healthcare worker, I think this is a crime against humanity. They continue to pour billions of dollars into toxic orthodoxy approaches, and they're preventing other people from healing because of their own greed most of the patients treated at the time was with AZT, a very strong antiviral and very, very toxic. People hoped that AZT therapy would help, but the side effects were often extreme and lives on average were only prolonged for a year. We did not prescribe any antiretroviral drugs. They were all very sick with AIDS-related symptoms, and it was wonderful to watch all their viral loads come down and their health improve week after week until we finally seroconverted them. The chronic conditions that go along with AIDS, Kaposi's sarcoma, pneumocystic, Carini, horrible disease, thrush, and all the gut biome issues that happen with these patients, I watched them slowly but surely reverse. 
We saw all the viral loads come down. The T cell counts returned to normal. They got on the protocols. They followed the protocols with all natural approaches. Not one chemical, not one drug. And I watched all of them completely reverse. HIV positive switched to HIV negative. They became healthy human beings from being at death's door. We had all this information available and that the news media refused to publish this, where this, this therapy could have saved countless lives. And there we were with all of these lab results that showed that these people reversed AIDS. And here's the catch. No one in the medical profession was interested in seeing these results. Hundreds of billions of dollars have been spent on our war against AIDS. The medical industry has focused on antiretroviral drugs to combat the HIV virus. All efforts to develop a vaccine have failed. Ignored and forgotten during the AIDS crisis is a heroic struggle by a small group of physicians, nurses, and healthcare professionals who succeeded in treating 1,200 patients with advanced AIDS. Relying on protocols developed by Dr. Gary Null at Manhattan's Tri-State Healing Center, none of these patients died from the virus. 18 of these patients reversed all of their AIDS-related conditions, regained full health, and converted to HIV negative. In other words, the HIV virus was no longer present in their bodies. Had I not seen the lab results with my own eyes, I probably would not have believed that something like this was possible. At the Tri-State Healing Center, for many, many years, we were able to treat, along with board-certified physicians, nurses, and registered dietitians, um, uh, many, many different medical problems, including over a thousand AIDS-related patients with various symptoms. I've had many people try to challenge me with what I'm about to share with you. Because the time that I was a nurse, both on hands and as a manager, I work with many patients with all different types of illnesses, both terminal and chronic. And one of the most important ones were the patients that had AIDS. Now this was during the 80s, during the big AIDS epidemic. And during that time, AIDS was a death sentence. So people would come in with fear and anxiety and we treat them. We treated them with the only drug we had at the time that was fast-tracked at the time and that was AZT. And for the most part, I have never, ever, during my time at the hospital, seen anyone either survive AIDS or come to any, any kind of shade of health. And then I found out about the Tri-State Healing Center in New York City. I was very curious because they talk about very non-invasive natural approaches to chronic diseases. And actually, I was very skeptical because coming from conventional medicine, from the orthodox indoctrination, I wouldn't have thought that something like that was possible. I apologize for not revealing my name, face, and full identity. I'm merely following the precautionary principle 
However, what I will share has been fully documented and verified by multiple sources. It is the truth. For many years, I was part of a medical team at the Tri-State Healing Center on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. We were working with over 1,200 people who were diagnosed with full-blown AIDS. All of the services we provided to these patients was free of charge. When they arrived at the center, most of these individuals had serious adverse health conditions, typical of AIDS symptoms. When we first began with these AIDS patients in this comprehensive program, we would have weekly meetings with the entire group headed by Dr. Noll, and we reviewed all the cases. Uh, we did regular blood workups on the patients, monitoring their T-cell counts, their CD counts, as well as their uh, viral load from uh, the HIV virus. We saw all the viral loads come down, the T-cell counts returned to normal, and eventually we had our first breakthrough after 16 months with our first zero conversion from HIV positive to HIV negative. Instead, Dr. Gary Null created drug-free treatment protocols. Our medical staff also offered a limited number of eight patients to follow a more advanced protocol. This required them to come to the clinic five days a week for approximately 16 months. And following that time, we had seven more patients uh, who seroconverted, and none of these patients were well when they first came in, so we just we did it the easy way. Uh, they were all very sick with various symptoms, AIDS-related symptoms. We decided that we would open the doors and allow physicians of all types to come in and see the work that we were doing and observe the benefits that all these patients were receiving during the course of this protocol and the time we were doing this. What was kind of surprising is how few virtually ever took us up on the offer and came in to observe. I do remember one or two that did come in and they were blown away, if you want to call it that, and impressed at the results that we were achieving. It was very hard for them to believe it, but it was in front of their eyes. They couldn't refute it. So I began journeying into New York City after my shift was over. And I did this for about six years. I went back and forth every day. And when I first got there, I was surprised at what I saw. But I will tell you that my whole life changed from that point forward. We were getting people in who were as close to death as you could possibly imagine. They had all of them tried all the, all the pharmaceuticals, all the antivirals, and, and had failed. Uh, they were getting sicker and sicker. Many of them were near death. It generally took about a year for their underlying conditions to be resolved and then another six months for their immune systems, including T-cell counts and other immune markers to return to normal. Uh, one man from California who came in had watched all the people in his support group, which was quite a large number, uh, pass away um, on all these antivirals. More people come into the group and pass away. He came in near death's door also and was we saved his life, we say, and he watched us save the lives of so many others. And um, uh, over the course of time, 
and it was just uh, just wonderful, heartwarming, and amazing that we were all able to have this beneficial effect. Every one of these eight patients remarkably reversed their HIV positive diagnosis to HIV negative. In other words, they zero converted. At the beginning of the treatment, these patients gave the center permission to share the results of their blood tests, their viral load analysis, and disease status with outside physicians and journalists. I saw Gary in the hallway one day and I said, Gary, my name is Doug Henderson, blah, blah, blah. I've listened to you for so long. I'm friends with Arthur Ashe and he hasn't come out yet but I'd like to be proactive and get him on one of these protocols, if this is true. And the HIPAA laws were different back then in terms of medical records. Now you can't reveal anything. So Gary took me back in his office. He showed me, I think it was five or six medical records. And it was, it was, a, it was a, not just one medical record, but for each client, each patient, he had, after every three months or so, another uh, lab workup done. And so you could see the progression. And these people, according to the records, had seroconverted. A large group of our patients came from the African-American community with AIDS, and we were helping them. And it was so, it was so wonderful that they came back, they went back out to their community and they started to spread the word. We started to get a lot of celebrity uh, black Americans, to African Americans coming in uh, to help support everything. Dick Gregory, he'd come in and perform for all these people. Um, we had Stokey Carmichael come in, Arthur Ashe, just to name some, were coming by and helping and supporting all the work we were doing. Gary met with Arthur on Tony Brown Journal show. It was this Tony Brown and Gary, and they invited Arthur down, and they had this discussion. And it, what was interesting about that was Gary, he was talking about pneumocystis carini pneumonia, which is the opportunistic infection that ultimately killed Arthur. And he and Dr. Robert Cathcart from California, no patient that they had died from pneumocystis carini pneumonia. It was kind of sad to me that Arthur, in my opinion, wouldn't have died from that if he had been on this protocol. Now, fast forward, Gary, it was a three-day appearance at the Apollo Theater, and Gary was one of the uh, presenters there. Arthur was there. And I remember Gary calling me afterwards, saying, Arthur has gotten cachexic meaning, I mean, he, he was always a thin person, but he had lost even more weight. And uh, he said, if he doesn't do something, he's gonna be dead in six weeks. Six weeks later, Arthur died. And I remember speaking to Earl Caldwell, who wrote, who wrote for the Daily News. He knew of my relationship with Arthur. He called me up and I mentioned with Gary, and there's an article that, that uh, Earl Caldwell wrote saying, it said, Doc, colon, how Ash could have aced AIDS. And he mentioned his work in trying to help Arthur. But Arthur, I think he was reluctant to really try it, even though he said it 
and he held, he had a sort of blind allegiance to conventional medicine despite him wasting away. And it's, it's, it's really sad because I've seen the medical records. Arthur saw the medical records of the people who Cyril converted. Over the course of time, uh, working collaboratively with Dr. Null, uh, we modified our programs uh, and the therapies they were getting to the individual's needs because not everybody is the exact same. Uh, they all did a lot of the same things like healthy organic juices all day long. We had a communal room where they would get their therapies that was more like living in a beautiful tropical rainforest kind of setting. We had psychologists coming in, working with each and every patient to go over their progress and to keep them on track. I'm talking about a holistic dentist, a, a physicians, podiatrists. We had a colon hydrotherapists. We had nutritionists. It was truly the most multidisciplinary, natural approach group that I had ever worked with in my entire life. We had some of the, the, great, the greatest and best minds in, in natural medicine and uh, come in and offer help and support to all these different people. They were all put on various supplemental therapies. Not everybody got the exact same supplements. It was based on their body and their needs. And these were adjusted to the individual by our, um, our, our nutritionist with consultation, um, like uh, Dolores Perry, who was just amazing at medical nutrition. With Gary, what he did was uh, change the person's diet completely, which was what I did. We, uh, st they stopped eating as much as uh, the garbage that they were eating, the sugars and a lot of other things, anything that would lower their immune system. We put them on green juicing, we put them on supplements, and they, w they did remarkably well for those who did, who followed. Not everybody would follow. Let's face it, no, not everybody is going to follow a protocol. But there are those people who did follow the protocol, and there were a few of them that really were fantastic. They were put on many, many different things, and there are a few people that serum converted. But I can't say that everybody did because you're not going to do it because it's too much of a change. Even because they can't equate um, a diet because they've been eating it all their life with sickness. It's an impossibility. It's an impossibility. So that they figure, oh, I've been eating all my life. This is not going to, this is not going to change. But it, it's lifestyle. It's everything that's con connected with it. And once you make that change, it was remarkable. They became healthy human beings from being at death's door because they came to the Tri-State Healing Center and they worked with this amazing group of practitioners. They got intravenous vitamin C in very high doses, as much as 200,000 milligram vitamin C drips, along with intravenous ozone therapy, which I was involved in. Intravenous with what we call major autohemotherapy, where we take out blood, ozonate it, and put it back in, and then eventually direct intravenous ozone therapy, where we would push the oxygen and ozone gas directly in. All these things were done safely as well as effectively. We made sure nobody suffered in any way, and in fact, it was just the opposite. Everybody, slowly but surely, got well. We watched their lab results so carefully. Every single week, we tested them. Why? Because Dr. Knoll told us, we cannot use anecdotal information. 
We need to have hard facts. The word got out to the medical community, and we started to get on occasion doctors from around the, the United States coming in to see the work that we were doing, such as Dr. Linus Pauling. We had a physician, a very famous physician from the West Coast, Dr. Cathcart, who was intrigued with what Gary was doing. And for two weeks straight, he came every morning at 9 o'clock, and he left at midnight when I closed the center. And he took all of the protocols back to the West Coast. He reported back to Dr. Null that his patients no longer were dying from any of the pneumocystic carini or Kaposi sarcoma. He said for the first time in his entire career, he saw these patients healing and he was using high-dose intravenous vitamin C, biooxidative therapy, and most importantly, the lifestyle changes, giving people responsibility for their health and encouraging them and educating them on what it takes to really boost up and heal your immune system. He came in, watched what we were doing, started to use it on his patients, and started to see the reversal of Kaposi's sarcoma and all the lung infections and all the other AIDS-related problems. So we were able to take and train doctors over time in our methods of medicine uh, and protocols that we had collectively uh, put together, and they got the same results. This proves that it wasn't just us, but that anybody with this training could get the same results as well. I worked for 50 years as a research scientist at the Institute of Applied Biology for cancer research, for immunology, and for degenerative diseases, including alcohol, drug addiction, etc. For 33 years, uh, Dr. Garinol was working in the laboratory in the research capacity with uh, the group of researchers that they, we had at the time. His work was uh, in mainly in anti-aging medicine. He conducted more than 130 uh, experiments at the time. Dr. Noll present his uh, case uh, that he was treating at the time at his uh, healing center. And uh, wait, they were absolutely good results, especially in immune response of the patients. After doing all the tests that was at the time prevalent, he was uh, discussing a lot with the doctors at the institute, his approach of treating this uh, disease. We set up a whole program at the Institute of Applied Biology where we apply Dr. Garinol's approach of treatment. After four years of treating those patients with repeated blood analysis and everything else, we saw that 10 of those patients that he was working with, they, they were no more uh, seropositive. They were completely in remission, and then we continued testing them, and they were completely cured.
That was around the same time when we were inundated with AIDS cases and were largely unsuccessful in treating them. One physician asked if there was anything you could do and you offered to try. We established IV drip rooms and purchased intravenous vitamin C and other nutrients and the staff implemented your AIDS protocol. Over the next two years, about 10 people with advanced AIDS reversed their HIV status and turned seronegative. All the infections disappeared and they were HIV and AIDS free. I briefly met one of those patients recently and she was still healthy today. I remember when I met with the director and the institute board members one evening to request that these successes be made more public. They decided to remain silent because it might jeopardize funding. This work was not based on patentable drugs and the advisory board said it would only draw negative attention because it was contrary to standard drug treatments. After the meeting ended, the director shrugged his shoulders and said it would not be the last time that someone accomplished something notable and it would remain relatively unknown to the world. Best regards always, Dr. Ilana Avram, Senior Scientist and Research Fellow. At that time, no one was uh, having such a fantastic results when was the, the worst epidemic of AIDS. As usually, the, the scientific community, mainstream scientific community, they were not agreeable with these natural approaches that we showed them. They never publish it in the, and they never apply it. The problem was that the fear of the big pharma, they were afraid of losing the financial support. That was the reason that they never come out with Dr. Garinol approach with natural non-toxic and so on. Don't forget the big pharma is very much involved in every aspect of your life, even if you don't Look today how many new products for the same thing. It's causing death, but still it's in the market, showing, you know, how the big pharma is controlling everything. Just a note about this. Elena and her team of scientists, biologists, kept meticulous records for all of their patients. So this wasn't hearsay. This was documented with lab results, with scientific literature, they had all the information. And what's so very curious is that within four years, that entire department was shut down. I can't tell you why. I don't know why. The Institute of Applied Biology is funded by Big Pharma. So you would have thought that this information would have been broadcast all over, but it wasn't. For me, on a personal and very professional level, I could not fathom why our federal health authorities, medical doctors such as Anthony Fauci and Robert Gallo, were unwilling to show any interest in what we had achieved. After doing all this work so successfully, we offered a press conference for uh, doctors and scientists from literally around the world to come in and review the work that we were doing uh, meet our patients and sh look at all the scientific evidence we had compiled. What apparently happened was there was a complete blackout by news media. 
caused by a, an AIDS group that apparently didn't want to see this end. And um, in the end, we didn't have a single scientist or doctor come in to the press conference that we had set up uh, to bring to the world the wonderful work that Dr. Null had put together and that we had been performing so successfully. It was very, very well promoted to all the media. And he not only invited the people that came from his clinic, he also invited people from all across the United States who were getting natural approaches, who have been getting phenomenal results with regards to reversing and improving their conditions, especially AIDS. And here's the kicker. With all of the people that were there, none of the media showed up. Not one. Why is it that when we have live human bodies, not a Petri dish, who had full-blown AIDS, who were at death's door and medically documented, today are alive and well and completely normal, and no one covers the story. Let's look at some of the alternative therapies, such as oxygen therapy and vitamin therapy and uh, herbalism and uh, uh, some of what we're hearing today. Why are we afraid as a society when our people are dying not to examine new and alternative therapies? Finally, to fight the news blackout that seemed to have occurred, we decided to have an all-day event at one of the largest uh, churches over on the west side of Manhattan. We had over 2,000 people show up, and we invited and paid for dozens, several dozen scientists and doctors to come in, lecture and speak on how everything had worked, what they found, and once again, the news media blocked out this entire happening, this entire um, meeting from the news so that nobody would know that it had occurred and all the benefits that people had achieved. After several years of closely monitoring these eight patients, full recovery from AIDS in addition to post-recovery follow-up, every effort we made to share these protocols and the successes we witnessed a large press conference, articles submitted to peer-reviewed medical journals, and meetings with the gay and AIDS activists and groups was met with silence and disdain. It was as if they didn't want this information to get out. Now understand that our healthcare system, as we know it, is a corporation, it's a corporate model, and it's about generating revenue. My concern was that maybe they couldn't generate enough revenue from these natural approaches. We had all this information available and that the news media refused to publish this. Bill Tatum, publisher of the Amsterdam News, along with Tony Brown from Tony Brown's Journal and other leading African-American news media came in and started to review our work. They looked at everything very carefully, all the data as well as interviewing all the patients and saw the results that we were getting, proving independently that this was really being done and really being accomplished. While they reported it, for some reason, mainstream media never put the word out and never got the word out to everybody else where it could have done so much good. Gary No, who says he can now offer evidence that people diagnosed with, quote, AIDS, who have turned to a non-toxic lifestyle, 
also return to good health. I'm Tony Brown. In a moment, good news about AIDS and HIV. This man has been helped. I brought two other people on your show three years ago. They're both alive and well and continue to remain seroconverted. Now let's talk about this man. Uh, this man, you say, uh, is the benefactor of your protocol. Yes. All right, now we're going to ask him his experience. Then I'd like for you to describe what the protocol was right. uh, that helped him uh, become convert from... Could I mention one thing? Please. I'm sure many people watching, including doctors, are saying, this is nonsense. Well, first, I have no proprietary interest. I've never charged anyone a nickel. That is correct. In fact, in my entire career as a nutritionist and as a health educator, I've never charged a single patient one penny. I have nothing to sell them. I have nothing to make. In fact, when I give my time and energy, it's for free, so it's not proprietary. Secondly, I could just say that this person's been improved, and who's to know otherwise? But you have in your hands medical documents. He has had blood workup done every six months for eight years. So we have before, during, and after blood workups showing from AIDS, not just HIV infection, from AIDS, and one guy who couldn't be here this morning, he's stuck in traffic, we just found out, um, and at some other time you might want to interview him, he had 22 different life-threatening illnesses. He had endocarditis, he had encephalitis, he had Kaposi's sarcoma, he had pneumocystis screening pneumonia, he was in St. Vincent's Hospital near death on several occasions, and today he is completely healthy also. Now, you were with him, you, you know him, you've seen his records, I have his records, so I would only make statements about people that I have their medical records that are open for people, any, any, People well, I asked you, uh, I asked Al uh, and you to bring medical records along today so whatever statements are made, I would have evidence uh, and presenting them to this audience uh, that there was some type of paper trail, medical right. paper trail in terms of what you're stating. Now, Al, uh, you, have, you were diagnosed with what is called AIDS in 1989. That's correct. Tell us about yourself. Uh, do you have any idea what caused your immune deficiency? Yes, uh, I was an uh, intravenous drug user uh, back in the early 80s. I must have made contact with the AIDS virus maybe probably 14 years ago. I stopped using drugs over 10 years ago, intravenous drugs. Was this after you were diagnosed uh, with AIDS? A little before I was diagnosed, I stopped using drugs. Then two years uh, after I went for a doctor's checkup, doctor advised me to uh, take a HIV test because I had a swollen lymph nodes glands. Swollen lymph, yes. lymph node? Yes. Uh -huh. And also I was losing some weight. Uh, I was getting weak. So I took the uh, HIV test and it uh, turned out to be positive. So I uh, panicked. I said, wow, I don't want to die. I'm very young. How old were you? Uh, I was like 30, 32 years old. Anyway, uh, I said, I don't want to die. So uh, I started you know, going to the doctors. And uh, the doctor says, well, I took a uh, blood test. My, uh, my uh, T cell count was, uh, was at 800. So that's, that's, that's pretty good. That's uh, very good. Cell count. 800. Mm -hmm. So uh, right away he says, take this, uh, well, we're going to give you a prescription of uh, ACT. I said, but, you know, from what I gather, I think I'm pretty healthy still to take these toxic uh, 
drugs that you know you're prescribing me. So uh, I, I just started like doing some research, and uh, Dr. Noll was on the air one, one one day. I was listening to him. There was so much information he was giving out as far as alternative approaches to uh, like. AIDS and, and any other uh, diseases we how, get. How long uh, did you stay on AZT? Well, I, he did prescribe me the AZT drug, and I did take it for like uh, a week or two. So you didn't use I it very long? No, I took it for a week or two because I started getting sick off of it. I started getting like blurry vision, and I, I started, my body was starting to change. I felt something like taking over my system. Did you get uh, 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 your CD4 count, your blood count, after you took the AZT? No, this was before. But after, after you did take it, did, yes. you, uh, did, did your blood yes, count, did your count go down, CD4 yes, count? Yes, it did. Go, what did, it, what did, did it go, go down up. to? As a matter of fact, it went down to 600 then. Went from, 800, went from 800 to 600? Yeah. It, it, in, in a short period of time? In a short period of time. So uh, I, I just didn't feel good. I just didn't, my body just, I was being drawn. So I, anyway. I put the drug in, just put it in the garbage can. I just didn't want to take that. Now, after you uh, got with Dr. Uh, no, uh, and you then got involved in his program using his protocol? Yes. Now, what, what happened to you health-wise after you got involved in his program? Well, right after I started doing his protocol, my lymph nodes went down. Now they're completely normal. They're down. I don't feel anything. I had them, like, for years. How long have they been down? Uh, four years. It. Four years? Four years, yeah. They, and how long did it take after you started the, the program with Dr. No before they went down? It took me about a good six to eight months. Mm -hmm. they started, I started like detoxifying my, my, my system and uh, I just uh, improved my health improved. I started, I gained weight for one and uh, I feel great right now. Now these are medical records you brought with you today. That's right. You have 12 copies of my medical records there. What do these medical records Well, one prove? is a PCR test. PCR test indicates the viral low level, uh, HIV viral low level. Uh, it's negative. What and does that mean? That means that there is no HIV virus in my system. It's out. They can't it can't detect it in a blood test. There are many tests that he's taken. It's not just one test. I ask individuals to test uh, when they're at this level almost every two to three months uh, for at least a year. And the reason I do this is because other physicians and public health officials should know that there's good science in the alternative perspective. And it may not be a therapy that they're familiar with because they're just not trained in it. But if the results are positive and you can document them and you have good medical blood workups, I mean the blood workups are done at all the standard labs and uh, the physicians are all board certified physicians who are actually overseeing and administering the actual therapy, then either they say yes or no. And now to my guest, Rachel Collins. Rachel Collins is the Chief Inspiration Officer of Partners in Prosperity. That's a business improvement consulting service that she's run since 1988. Rachel received her degree at an Ivy League uh, university and a master's degree in organizational development, and she's helped business leaders effectively run their companies and serve clients. However, the most important part of her story for me is following an automobile accident 
that left her permanently disabled and resulting in bankruptcy and homelessness, Rachel turned her attention to full-time work as pro bono, that means free, as a social justice warrior confronting corporate corruption and their crimes against humanity, in particular the epidemic of industrial toxic contamination and its adverse effects on human health and communities and the environment. She's currently involved in a widespread contamination of the city of Cottonwood, New Mexico, and the serious cost of human health from the Mineral Research Inc.'s mining waste refining operations. Her website is cottonwoodcontamination.com. Nice to have you with us today, Rachel. Oh, thank you, Gary. And I just want to make the one uh, correction that it's Cottonwood, Arizona, which is just about uh, 20 minutes from Sedona, Arizona. Okay, thank you. Mm-hmm. For the past uh, couple of weeks, I've been focusing upon deconstructing the larger picture piece by piece, as if each piece, like global warming and acidification of our oceans and plastic ending up in the environment and the failure to repair or renew our infrastructures, like bridges and tunnels and and cleaning up toxic super waste sites that still exist 50 years after they were defined, identified, and still are there. And then I want to talk about the destruction of a civilization piece by piece where you're not aware of it. We're aware of the Roman Empire, the, the Persian Empire, the Ottoman Empire, and how over a period of hundreds of years, they put all the emphasis upon those in power and all everyone else was simply subjugated to their whims and proxies and laws, until finally one day, what they didn't count upon is, well, they didn't have water, they didn't have food, they didn't have the ability to grow or prosper, and they declined until they were gone. We're seeing that now in the United States. Just take a look in Flint, Michigan. Take a look in Detroit. There are streets, whole areas of these cities, including Compton, California, Camden, New Jersey, Flint, Michigan, where the water is not safe to drink. But we've known that Flint has toxic water. So much lead in the water, it's unhealthy. That was 15 years ago. Now we have 5,000 other communities in the United States that are equally or even more polluted than Flint. Nothing done about it. We have done nothing about cleaning up our environment. Instead, we continue to pollute it. We have all the money in the world for those in power, like the military-industrial complex or big ag, but we don't seem to have any interest in helping the average person. That's where you come in. So what little I know of Cottonwood, and I thought it was, there's a Cottonwood, I believe, New Mexico, but yours is Arizona, and I certainly know Sedona. In fact, one of the listeners of this program, who's a, also an activist over there, Kathleen, uh, she lives in Sedona, and she organizes all the local environmental issues. So the widespread contamination from the mining operations of what seems to be a very, um, at the very least, a very negligent firm, Minerals Research Inc., is obviously not an isolated case. It's a problem I'm sure most communities with corporate mining operations face to some degree, especially in states that have weak environmental regulations in their laws or corrupt government officials who protect polluters. And by the way, that is common in every state. Just look at the uh, effects of, of the, let's say, the, the, the Great Shell areas of Pennsylvania, 
and western New York, and all the hydrofracking, and what we were promised versus what we have seen, yet nothing has been done to stop this or clean up the mess. We already know that the Environmental Protection Agency is a captured federal agency that has become nearly useless, in my opinion, in holding private polluters accountable. So the story of Cottonwood seems to be an ex exemplary case. So perhaps you can begin by summarizing the threats this region of New Mexico, excuse me, of Arizona, has experienced from mining waste operations as an example of how companies can cause so much damage, so much illness, and destruction both to humans and the environment, and yet nothing is done to hold them accountable. Therefore, take us through this example, if you would please. The forum is yours. Well, everything that you said, Gary, uh, is right on the money and unfortunately is true. And in the case of Cottonwood, I rented an office um, in Cottonwood about a block from this offending refinery that I didn't even know was there because I lived in Sedona. And we have historic mining contamination here of over 100 years. And this is basically a 12-acre pile of what they call slag, which is at one time it was liquid mining waste that came out of the smelters or the furnaces and they melted all the precious metals out and then they dumped it long before there was ever a town here. And then the city of Cottonwood invited this um, mining company with a very bad environmental track record to come and to dynamite it, to grind it up in their refinery that they built here in the center of town with zero containment of any kind not a fence, no tarps, no coverings, nothing. And when they refine this to bag it uh, for, they call it sandblasting material, but there's actually a lot of other more valuable mining activity going on over there. Um, they stockpile it, meaning they pile it up in very tall piles that are, um, you know, many, many stories high. And the vicious winds in this area blow that super refined uh, mining dust, which is full of all kinds of toxic metals into our homes, our businesses, our streets, our playgrounds, our public spaces, and they have been allowed and aided and abetted, quite frankly, by the Arizona Department of Environmental Quality in doing this for uh, at least seven years that I'm aware of since citizens began complaining about it, making them sick and ruining their property. So take us a little further. A lot of this okay, comes so, down to the federal regulatory agencies not being held accountable at the state level and at the federal level, and essentially they become immune from prosecution depending upon who's in office. If they're of the right political party, they get a pass or minimal uh, input. If they're from the wrong party, then they might be held up as an example, but for political reasons, not that the federal government or any agencies gives a damn about anyone at the local level, the actual, actual victims. So the, right now we're seeing most of these companies not prosecuted for failing to uphold health and safety standards. And nobody thinks about the fact that if you purchase property and settle in a community with a major polluter like Mineral Research, and of course there are many others, that their property value and investments lose value as the environment decays, making the region no longer inhabitable for a healthy life. Your comments. Or even worse, you get autoimmune illnesses, cancer. This very fine particulate matter far exceeds the EPA's own threshold level for acceptable 
airborne particulates. So it appears to be 2.5 and less, which is a way of measuring the size of the particulate when the EPA's current standard is particulate in the air uh, that is, you know, being caused or created by any industrial or other business can't be less than 10. So this is infinitesimally small, which means it's respirable, which means that when you breathe it and it goes into your body, it can never come out of your body. So just like any irritant that uh, your body's exposed to, your body is continually fighting it, trying to get rid of it or accommodate it somehow. And it's really not possible when it's metallic particles. So people, as far as I can tell in this community, after I discovered what had happened to me from my office, they um, apparently never really realized that this refinery was polluting and contaminating. And so this rash of unexplained uh, illnesses, as doctors are now you know, meeting with me to discuss, now we have a frame of reference for understanding what the cause of so much illness around here uh, may have been and be currently. And despite this knowledge and all the advocacy I've done full-time seven days a week for the last year and a half, um, I'm not sure we're much further than we were when I first started investigating, other than to say I've checked every box of holding every single person accountable, city, county, and state who should be accountable. And that does count for something, because when you stand up for yourself and your health and you find out... Uh, the bad faith and the bad faith and the bad faith because they don't care about your very life. At some point, it's worthy of a national news story where human beings, our citizens in America, stand up and say, we're supposed to have freedom and justice and health and safety. We're not going to allow this to continue, even if you corrupt agencies think you're going to get away with it. And I do believe in the power of the people. And I do believe that that is why we have to expose these things all over in our communities. The people who run these agencies are just people. They're human beings, too. Do they not think they're immune from getting sick or going to prison? And that is where I'm going with this case. It needs to be Department of Justice and FBI, whether we think they're corrupt or not or what have you. I have great faith God is leading me in this investigation to say, when you make this public, and you hold the highest level people accountable, and the people in America who don't want to be sickened support the, the residents of Cottonwood in this, you're going to prevail, and you are going to get this operation shut down. Good for you. Are you familiar with Love Canal? Yes. Okay. If you remember, the state knew that the area was polluted, they knew that there was landfill. They knew that it was toxic. And yet they did not prevent people from going in there and building these homes. And then when the kids were playing outside and digging in the dirt, as kids do, and having all the normal activities of life, they were getting sick. But sick in levels per population that were just astronomical. And still the state and federal governments wouldn't do anything. They had to be embarrassed and forced into it by exposés. And then finally mm -hmm. some uh, major reporting was done by people in the major network news, and then that forced them. But mind you, if the government has to be forced by being embarrassed and exposed for its crimes, minor and major, then that's the wrong government. 
So yes, they're people, but they're people who feel that somehow they have something to protect, and more often than not, it's the money they've received or the promises of employment beyond the government as consultants and on uh, special foundations and think tanks, depending upon the person. But we see this constant rotation all the time, where, let's say, Judy Gerberding, head of the CDC, and overseeing the safety of vaccines and other, other medicines, she goes, uh, does a terrible job, and then she goes from there, the CDC, into, uh, I think it was Pfizer, one of the big companies, making millions of dollars. And that is just one example. Michael Taylor of Monsanto goes to Monsanto as a lawyer into the USDA, then back to Monsanto, then in the FDA, overseeing the safety of genetically engineered foods, the very things that his company produces. There's no objectivity here. There's no fairness here. And this is in every agency of government, especially the Pentagon, the Defense Department, the Veterans Administration. They go right back into these, uh, these major armament industries. So nothing ever stops. Now, are there good people still working in government? Yes, there are. But the policymakers and the opinion leaders, the technocrats, I don't see them as being good people. I see them as being very amoral or immoral people. So good for you for standing up as a citizen journalist and exposing what is happening in Cottonwood, Arizona, and what has happened to the people. Tell us some of the symptoms or conditions that have happened and how large is Cottonwood, Arizona. I've, I've never heard of it. How many people live there? To be honest, I don't know, Gary, how many people live here. Um, it's not really very big. Um, it's about a mile uh, in radius. That gives you an idea of relatively about 12,000, uh, apparently. So the situation is most people don't really know yet if they're impacted. A lot of people have actually passed away, and there's quite a lot of evidence just to corroborate that they may have died because of being exposed to this in the last seven years. Several people who have worked at Minerals Research have died from working at Minerals Research. I can definitely um, you know, prove that through the research I have done, and their families are, of course, very upset about this because Minerals Research has always told their employees there is absolutely nothing hazardous about the work they're doing or the material that they're handling, and yet they're getting dumped on by this fine particulate matter all day, every day. And Minerals Research doesn't even require them to wear masks. And I can have tell you, you measured, those... ha, uh, mm -hmm. let, let me just, uh, Rachel, uh, finish off with this. Have you taken some air quality measurements so you can actually have data, hard scientific data, when you go in to uh, do your hearings or meet with the press on this issue? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I had several environmental consultants uh, test the material that was airborne when it lands, you know, on our spaces in the right environmental labs here in Arizona. So, yes, I have plenty of defensible evidence that can be used in court. We just need to get to court and hold these people accountable. I suggest that you write up an article with your data and submit it to uh, Professor Chopskowski at the Global Research because that reaches all over the world. And okay. professors, scientists, uh, environmentalists pay attention to his articles. They're the best articles uh, that are being published anywhere in the world. Has a huge professional uh, uh, viewership. 
And because of that, maybe some other people will come in and help you uh, in ways that can help push this forward. All right. That would be wonderful. Could you say his name again, please, Gary? Glo- just go to globalresearch.com. Globalresearch.com. Okay. All right. Got it. Okay. Well, Keep thank you for the, the opportunity lo- for us to tell you our story. <laughs> well, I'm happy to hear your story, but what I'd like to do is I would like to follow this and also reach out to um, Sharon in my office, Sharon Pride. She's my archivist for over 30 years, and she will put you in touch with some people who can help you do a GoFundMe to sue these people, to bring this to into the court system. All oh, right? what a blessing. Thank you so much. I am so grateful for that. This, this, is, this is going to be a long process, but at least if you get the public support, then you'll get the financial support. But make your stories. Give a series of articles. We will post them on our site. I'll post them on GaryNall.com, and, uh, and I'll get them around to people within the environmental industry that we know. And by the way, there's a list of, uh, let's say, populist environmental groups. Uh, it doesn't cost much money. Yeah, I think there's around 3,000 groups, three to 5,000 groups. These are not, uh, these are not uh, ter- uh, let's say, the pro-industry groups that disguise themselves as consumer-based but aren't. And then send your story with the documentation. The key is to have real good documentation, uh, a documentation that could withstand cross-examination in a court of law, and send your article and story to every one of these environmental organizations. That way, some of them, I'm sure, will pick up the story, invite you on, hopefully do some fundraising to help you, and even uh, with their much larger budgets and uh, a lot of political influence can get this before different committees of Congress. All right? That's exactly what needs to happen. I so appreciate it. And so if your viewers do go to cottonwoodcontamination.com, they can see for themselves in pictures and videos the truth of what is going on. And I just encourage everyone to stand up in your own communities for anything that you need to be fighting for. Rachel Collins, thank you for being out there. Thank you for being a citizen um, activist and environmentalist. And her website is cottonwoodcontamination.com. And we'll follow your story. And just give uh, my producer, Richard Gale, a call whenever you have any breakthroughs or information that you've come across that's new. And uh, we'll, we'll keep you in our thoughts. All right? Thank you so much, Gary. Happy holidays. Bye. Okay, and that brings us up to the end of our program. I want to thank you all for listening in today. And again, if you are seeing something wrong, something that's demonstrably wrong, something you have proof is wrong, that is affecting the people from a major corporation or governmental agency, we take them all on. All right, and this is the form. We are the number one environmental form in America and have been for over 57 years. Have a nice day, everyone.